0: Hi there everybody. Welcome to the Rupa Subramania show. I am Rupa Subramania. On today's show we investigate a recent protest in Ottawa involving two opposing groups. I happened to attend the protests in the Westboro neighborhood of Ottawa and I wrote about it for the National Post uh, this past week and some of what I say here is inspired, inspired and excerpted from my column in the National Post. So this past weekend, this last Friday in fact, a protest against gender ideology was organized by Chris Elston. Um, He's a prominent um, anti-gender ideology activist. He's popularly known as Billboard Chris um, because he walks around, he goes around the world wearing a sandwich board on his chest uh, protesting against gender ideology and um, the medical transitioning of uh, minors. It also featured Josh Alexander, a high school student from Ontario. You might recall I interviewed Josh a few weeks ago on my show. He was suspended uh, from his Catholic high school for protesting against gender ideology. It's very important to note that the goal of these protests of this protest organized by Elston and Alexander was to advocate against the medical transitioning of children rather than gay rights. Indeed, the protest uh, included gay people who shared concerns about the transgender agenda and the indoctrination of kids uh, with radical gender ideology. In response to this protest, there was a counter-protest organized by a far-left NGO called Horizon Ottawa, known for uh, advocating progressive social causes across the city. They collaborated with labor unions, such as the Public Service Alliance of Canada, and community groups in Ottawa's Westboro neighborhood. While for the most part, the protests were, uh, most part, remained peaceful, uh, I did notice two individuals wearing masks, completely covered in face masks, uh, from the counter-protest. They attempted to physically confront uh, Billboard Chris, uh, but uh, he stood his ground and uh, took it on uh, rather stoically. One of the things that struck me about the protests and the counter protests was the demographic makeup of these two groups. On the side opposing gender ideology, I saw a coalition uh, consisting of uh, people of color, uh, devout Muslims and Christians, Uh, and children. It almost represented a cross-section of Canada. In contrast, the counter-protest was primarily led by masked white Canadians. Now, I point this out because I remembered something from the Freedom Convoy. One of the accusations made against the Freedom Convoy uh, from its critics was that Uh, It comprised mostly of uh, white people, white Canadians, so therefore it must mean that the movement is far-right and white supremacist. Um, It's it's really ironic that the progressive left, which is often quick to label, uh, causes they disagree with as being far-right because it mostly features white people, in this instance, found themselves facing a more diverse group opposing the transgender agenda. Now, These counter-protesters seemed um, embarrassed by the fact that their supposed opponents included people of color uh, and also included socially conservative Muslims. This completely shattered the progressive narrative that they were the only ones standing up for minorities and fighting against uh, what Muslims perceived to be Islamophobia. Suddenly, they found themselves confronted by devout Muslims uh, holding differing views It almost appears that the progressive support for minority causes comes with the expectation that those they supported must align with their social agenda. But here's the thing, the hypocrisy runs both ways. Muslim Canadian advocates gladly will accept progressive support in combating what they perceive to be Islamophobia. However, when it comes to social causes, uh, including gay rights, many conservative Muslims Express their opposition, as some did during their protests. The progressive push on gender ideology has unfortunately and inadvertently brought religion into the equation, uh, leading to what I think is a regression in the consensus around gay rights that Canada has long held. And that would be most unfortunate. Now, to be fair, the Muslim community, to my knowledge, had no problem with pride as it existed a few years ago. But things have clearly changed now, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with the successive focus on gender ideology and pride in schools across Canada. They've simply had enough of this, and they're now speaking up. The progressive advocates for gender ideology, such as the counter-protesters in Ottawa, undermine their cause by taking an extreme position where any disagreement, particularly regarding children, is dismissed as reactionary and far-right. I made several attempts to uh, interview the counter-protesters, but they simply refused to engage and insisted on speaking only to accredited journalists from the CBC or CTV. I found a real unwillingness uh, by the counter-protesters to consider alternative viewpoints. Now, these so-called progressives really expose their hypocrisy by suggesting that ethnic minorities and immigrants who disagree with their agenda should leave Canada if they feel betrayed. Uh, It's not just hypocrisy. I mean, this is just xenophobic. Um, It displays an illiberal attitude and a complete disregard for free speech and diversity of thought. Uh, It's really quite astonishing to witness the lengths that they're willing to go to discredit their opponents such as the alleged feigned assault by Joel Harden, um, an NDP member of the provincial parliament. To my mind, this protest and the counter-protest highlighted the hypocrisy and negative consequences resulting from the forceful promotion of gender ideology by the progressive left, especially in our schools. Also, Canada's stance on medical transitioning for minors and the use of puberty blockers differs from that of other major Western democracies. Countries like Sweden and Norway, uh, once pioneers of uh, transgender rights, have now restricted gender affirming care for minors. The UK's National Health Service uh, recently limited uh, puberty blockers to clinical trials only. However, here in Canada, our regulatory bodies have remained silent. Uh, they seem to be accepting the extreme progressive view that such medical treatments should continue to remain as they are. Meanwhile, our political leaders across the political spectrum choose to ignore this debate, avoiding taking a clear stance on this crucial issue. Their silence reflects cowardice rather than virtue. If our political leaders fail to engage in sensible discussions, we really risk escalating the debate to extreme levels For example, endangering the hard-won rights of the gay community, which were achieved through decades of struggle. Canada is experiencing a tragic regression driven by a progressive elite that is eager to push the boundaries even further. It's very important for our political leaders to step up and participate in a thoughtful and balanced discussion about the limits of medical transition for minors. Ignoring this issue will not make it disappear. It will only allow it to fester and deepen the divide in our society. We need leaders who are willing to advocate for the rights of all Canadians while respecting the concerns of those who question the prevailing gender, ideology, orthodoxy. If we continue down this path of ideological absolutism, dismissing any dissent as bigotry or ignorance we risk alienating a significant portion of society, including minorities. Canada's values should not be dictated by a select few who are easily outraged, but by a genuine commitment to freedom, diversity, and respect for differing opinions. In the face of this growing divide, it is vital that we approach these complex issues with nuance, empathy, and a sincere desire to find common ground. We should not allow the strident voices of extremism to drown out those advocating reason and moderation. On that note, thank you for joining me and I hope to see you again soon.